Welcome to Reputation, a podcast by Hill & Knowlton Strategies Canada. This is a podcast about communication. On each episode, we'll discuss the different elements that go into building your reputation, whether you're a company, an organization, or a public figure. It's also about managing risks to that reputation and communicating in a crisis. My name is Gabe DeRoche. I'm an account director in corporate communications and public affairs here at Hill & Knowlton Strategies in Toronto. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Jane Shapiro, one of the country's top experts on corporate reputation, as well as managing issues and crises, or better yet, avoiding them in the first place. Jane is a senior vice president here at H&K, where she leads our corporate and crisis communications business. Jane, thanks for being on the podcast today. I'm delighted, Gabe. Uh, I think this is our inaugural podcast, and I am thrilled to be your first guest. Well, we are, we are equally thrilled to have you, excited to be taking on this new, uh, this new initiative, and, uh, and thank you for, uh, for being here. I know we want to talk today about, uh, about reputation, uh, what is reputation, what, why is reputation important, and one point in time when your reputation is particularly important is in a crisis. And so uh, I thought we would start by talking a little bit about communicating in a crisis, that why in your opinion, is it important to to communicate in a crisis? Well, as you said, uh, we're communicators, so it's important to communicate all the time. But communicating in a crisis is essential for a number of reasons. But perhaps the best place to start is, what is a crisis? So a crisis for any organization is anything that puts the the safety or health of people at risk. Mm -hmm. Anything that interrupts normal business operations for a prolonged period of time, and anything that affects reputation. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So either of the first two things are likely to impact reputation, but other things can as well. Things that are more uh, corporate in uh, in effect, for instance, criminal investigations, uh, death of a senior person, which may not invoke the first the first two. Uh, the first two criteria. So in all of those situations, communicating and communicating fast is essential to preserving reputation, but also perhaps to preserving the business of the organization. Uh, And as we all know, uh, goes pretty much without saying, uh, the impact of social platforms uh, on the speed of communication um, for now, you know, a decade or more, really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, has really informed how we go about thinking uh, about responding uh, to um, reputation-threatening situations. And when we talk about a crisis and the impacts that it could have, reputational impact is obviously uh, is obviously one of them. It doesn't just have to be, you know, an effect on share price or some kind of other business business measure. I mean, I think. Would you agree that that corporations need to really consider specifically the reputational impact as its own kind of uh, metric? Yeah, for sure that's true. I think that uh, success in managing uh, crisis situations really comes back to starts with uh, planning and process. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that has struck me over the many years I've been doing this is how Many organizations are prepared for operational incidents. They've right, got right. business continuity plans. Uh, they bring a certain kind of rigor and discipline to the way they do other operations like business planning uh, or budgeting. 
Uh, but when it comes to crisis communications, equally important to the survival of the business or the reputation of, of the organization, um, there's often virtually nothing. Uh, and so they go about <laughs> it in a way that is haphazard, completely lacking in that rigor and discipline and process that they bring to other business operations. Um, and that often leads to delays. It can mm -hmm. lead to mistakes. And often it leads to no communications at all, um, which in the moment may seem like a good idea, but in terms of the impact on reputation can be actually devastating. So it really all starts with having a plan, having a process, understanding what the scenarios are that can put your organization at risk and really being prepared. Preparation is key to responding fast. And as you as you mentioned earlier, that speed of response is especially important given the um, given well the social social channels, uh, digital communication, the the kind of never ending uh, news cycle. You've got to be uh, you've got to be ready. Is what I'm yeah. Hearing. You do have to be ready, um, and I think you know that's not new. It's been the case for <laughs> a decade. Fair enough, fair enough. And so what's really interesting is. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that it's, you know, we've known this for, you know, I would say 10 years, that fair, mm -hmm. um, that in fact, many organizations are no better prepared now than they were uh, when it was something new. And that to me is, is disturbing because there's a lot at risk. And I think um, a moment ago, you asked about, um, uh, you know, audiences and preserving reputation. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that strikes me is that when organizations do in the heat of it, think about what they need to do. They think about putting out a press release. Right. Well, um, of course, some yeah. even think about having a physical press conference. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, don't think about it. Don't do it. It's a mistake. No one will come. Uh, so, uh, well, it depends how big the crisis it is. It depends so. how big the crisis is. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, uh, but really, it does come down to understanding who your audiences are, right? Who, who, who does this matter to? Who's going to, how will it impact your business? And one of the, the an example I might use that has come to light uh, in the last year uh, is the crisis that uh, confronted uh, Uber, very much a reputational risk. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so uh, allegations of misbehavior, of uh, having a toxic workplace, uh, of behavior by the CEO that wasn't uh, in keeping with good corporate uh, norms. Uh, and one of the things that really interested me about that was that um, even when I did an informal survey around H&K <laughs> and asked how many people were thinking of perhaps not you of switching from Uber to another service or back to taxi cabs, the answer was nobody, uh, which led me to, to wonder how important reputation could be. Uh, and then what did we see, which I thought very You're interesting, right, the CEO did resign all of a sudden, and uh, I wasn't there, but, but uh, reports have it, that he met with two of his most important uh, shareholders, private, uh, private company with, with a board of directors, uh, and shortly after that meeting, the CEO resigned. And so what that says to me is you have to understand who your really important, who your key audiences are, and who's really important among them, mm -hmm. and make sure that you are you are communicating directly, which may not be at all via media. Right. Well, and with Uber, I think you've you've started to see more and more some, uh, well, some public advertisements now that there's been a leadership change trying to 
I think repair uh, repair reputation with customers. Uh, I get emails all the time saying, "Look, look how we've changed." Yeah. Uh, this kind of thing. But That's you're, you're absolutely right. It was the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back. I guess was um, was that uh, especially key audience of uh, of investors. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, you can't really underestimate when it comes to preserving reputation is that uh, organizations, individuals, shareholders, um, business partners like to be associated with companies who behave well. They like to associate their brands with other brands they think are respected and who they respect. Um, and we see all too often that uh, companies make decisions to part company with individuals and with businesses who they perceive or they see that um, uh, others perceive as, as misbehaving um, and really um, not having good reputation. So they think that bad uh, toxic reputations are, uh, are perhaps um, contagious um, <laughs> and don't want to associate with them. And that's important. Uh, and that's important for any company uh, that hopes to continue to do to preserve its reputation in the marketplace. So in your in your crisis planning processes, which hopefully the companies are undertaking with the same level of rigor that they are undertaking other uh, scenario planning. We'd like to encourage them to do that. Yes. Uh, audience identification and stakeholder identification is a key, uh, a key part of that. What else goes into a really strong uh, crisis plan? Well, a number of things. First of all, having having a process to start with, and what does that process look like? It means having a team, uh, and it is equally important to know who's on that crisis management team as it is to know who's not. Okay. So you want to keep that team small, nimble, mm -hmm. uh, and have all the members understand who, what their roles are on the team, their specific roles, what their responsibilities are uh, that go with that role. Um, and, and equally to, uh, as I say, understand who's not there and who doesn't need to be consulted. And I think you need to be very prescriptive and, and uh, clear about those things. Uh, I also think it's important to have an approvals process. So mm -hmm. I'm sure anybody who's listening to this has been involved in, uh, may have been involved in a crisis situation um, where the number of people who had to approve a press release um, were um, uh, uh, many. Yeah. Uh, never going to work if we're, if, when we're talking about speed, right? So you have to really say in advance and understand in advance who gets to approve, who needs to uh, keep that number small, uh, understand the speed with which the, that has to happen. So having a protocol, having a team, having a process, uh, and, uh, and then, as you said, very importantly, understanding who your audiences are, so good, doing good stakeholder mapping, uh, who owns the relationship with, with each of those audiences yes, so that you can yeah. so that you can um, uh, contact them quickly with uh, and have that contact be by the most effective person and really also understanding what you do via media and or what you have to do at the same time as you're talking to media uh, talking directly to those key key stakeholders uh, because there's really nothing that replaces direct communication. Uh, with them so that you you can be heard and you can hear back. Right. And you can do it, I think, without uh, without a filter. We always talk to our clients about uh, media relations and this uh, the notion, the truth that media is not an audience in and of itself. Right. Media is a channel to reach the audiences that you um, 
that you that are important to you it's important that they uh, that they hear from you well yeah ultimately when you're speaking to the media your message is being mediated <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so if you want that uh, that message to get through in an unmediated manner uh, you have to deliver it yourself uh, your and own I think, publisher yeah your own <laughs> publisher it's well said uh, so I um, absolutely and those are all these are not either or situations they're you know this and that in most cases. So you've got your uh, you've got your crisis plan, and a uh, and a, a crisis happens. Um, how how can how can clients ensure that they that they're ready to execute? I mean, do they do they sort of pull out the plan and you know dust it off, and uh, you know it creaks as it opens? How how do they how do they stay ready? No dusting. Okay. <laughs> no dusting. So the final part of uh, preparation is really understanding uh, uh, what are your risk scenarios. So what are the things that put your business at risk? And most organizations, if they, you know, you sit your senior team down for um, an hour, maybe even a half an hour, you can identify 95% of the situations that would put the organization at risk. And so there are very, very few black swan events. Mm -hmm. Um, and so people who called Lac Megantique a black swan event, I think were completely wrong. Uh, you know, a massive, a massive uh, derailment um, by a, a train, a massive train derailment uh, is certainly not something that any rail company should consider a black swan. Right. They should be prepared for it. The same as I would say, um, you know, the uh, disaster uh, in the Gulf of Mexico with BP was by no means a black swan, something that any oil and gas company drilling in deep water ought to have anticipated. Um, but I will tell you one that I do consider a black swan, and okay. that's uh, Malaysian Airlines um, uh, 370. Okay. Um, and that's a black swan. Yes. Having a plane f over four years ago uh, disappear out of the sky, uh, never to be seen again, uh, with uh, no trace, perhaps small bits of it, if you can be certain whether those were small bits of that plane or not, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to have it completely just disappear with, without a trace out of the sky and never appear anywhere again <laughs> is truly, I think, a black swan event. Okay, so barring, barring these un, un, unpredictable uh, black swan events, um, would you say going through those scenarios on a regular basis, refreshing them, is that one way to keep that crisis plan, uh, crisis plan fresh and uh, and ready to ready to execute. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. One that creaky, you know, break the back of the plan um, uh, idea. Uh, we like to have our plans both in in hard copy, but also in soft copy. So available to our clients electronically, uh, so they can have them on their iPads, on their other devices, um, and on their laptops. Um, and uh, so that they're ready anywhere, anytime. Also, we have a, uh, and we'll talk about it another time, uh, a really cool H&K app okay. um, where we can, we can uh, store our crisis plans. But the other thing is that it's not good enough to have a plan. You have to practice the plan. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, always say to clients, if you're planning to invest in a plan, but you don't plan to have an exercise to um, to test it, to test your team, to test your plan, to make sure both are up to the up to to dealing with any challenge. Got to have an exercise, and if you don't want to invest in that, 
Uh, save the money from the plan because really it is a thing that's going to sit on the shelf. You'll never break the back of it and you'll never, <laughs> and in a real situation, you'll never use it. Yeah. So what do our plans look like? Or sorry, our exercises look like? We have a very, very nifty platform called Flight School. Um, and Flight School is really um, uh, a, an exercise platform that allows us to uh, create a uh, a scenario for a client, and then to completely mimic social, digital uh, interaction in real time during a four-hour exercise with clients. And so we um, populate uh, mm -hmm. flight school with content in advance. Uh, so it mimics uh, Twitter feed, mimics Facebook, mimics email, uh, and, and other, and other uh, uh, platforms. Uh, and our clients can interact with it. So they can interact in real time, putting, um, posting statements, posting Twitter, uh, uh, doing Twitter posts, uh, Facebook, all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's, uh, it's as close to a real life experience uh, as it can possibly be. Well, flight school, okay. I mean, that sounds, I'd, I'd love to, to dive in a little bit more into into flight school. So, uh, we, so now I'll be invited back. You'll be invited back. You're welcome back, of course, anytime. Well, thank you so much, Jane, for being on the podcast today. And thank you, of course, to our listeners. This has been Reputation, a Hill and Knowlton Strategies podcast. I'm your host, Gabe DeRoche. Thank you for tuning in.